Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll read our text. Father, we come before your throne to understand that you are that that satisfies. It is you who overwhelms us. It is you who gives us life abundant. It is you who manifest yourself through these earthen vessels. It is you who pierced creation in the form of a man to die for the sins of mankind. Father, we come to hear your word. Help us to hear. Help us to draw deep of the things that you have given. Father, help us to be overwhelmed by your presence. Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Verse 12 through 19. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, we were made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says... I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desires. If they are one in, if they are still all one member, where would the body be? Interesting concept, isn't it? The body of Christ, the church, it's unified except it's diversified. And Paul uses an illustration here of the human body. All right, And we're focusing right now on verses 12 and 13, the unity of one body and the identity of one spirit. And, and I believe that this is a great, um, a, a great bane on the church today. I think a, a part of the problem in the church that exists today is either a confusion on this text uh, or a lack of understanding of this text or a combination of both. He gives us an illustration in verse 12 that the body, the human body, though it is made up of multiple members, it is unified. It has one life source. It has one life focus. But he also gives a reality of it in verse 13. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. All right, so he's basically saying the unity is there if you're saved. If you're not then you have a problem. I used the illustration last week on the cells of the heart. Okay? Each cell in the human heart has the ability to beat. All right? And you will see that there are leader cells, and the, the heart, the rest of them will follow that lead. When you get into problems is when everybody decides to beat their own drum. All right? Look at the church today, and what do you see? 
A lot of people who are not going to follow the leadership, the leading of the Spirit, they don't want to do that. They're going to kind of do it their own way. And those of you with medical background know that when the heart steps into that and it starts beating at different rates, each cell, at first it won't kill you. Okay, But you will become very, very weak. And if the process isn't changed, at some point death will occur. Right? I see that today in the body of Christ. I see it today in the church. There isn't the unity. I see a lot of people wanting to make unity. That isn't the unity. All right? Because um, I, I just see it all over the place. And I see it when I watch the church, you know, well, do you have things for young people? Do you have things for young married people? Do you have things for seniors? Do you have things for widowers? Do you have things for widows? Do you have things for... What would you just do? You know, when I talk to some of these guys who are coming in and planting churches, and they say, well, I'm basing it on this demographic study. Okay? You're causing schisms in the body of Christ. Uh, I even jumped on a bunch of these guys, church planners. And I told him, I said, you guys just come in, you stay until your funding runs out, then you leave and all you've done is put schisms in the body of Christ because you didn't meet my need or this need. Now listen, part of the problem is the congregation because the congregation comes to church for what reason? What have you got? You got a want us. Do you have contemporary? Do you have blended? Do you have this? Do you have that? I need something for young married couples, for old married couples, for whatever. All right. This text says, for even as the body is one, we would all say amen, yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. Right. So also is Christ. So also is Christ. So he gives an illustration of this body and it's one physical body. And he's basically saying, listen, you are connected to Christ. If you're disconnected, you stop functioning. And I see this on a daily basis. People literally who are not connected and they are not functioning. Why? Because they have in their mind something different. I don't know what, well, I think it's self. In my Sunday school class, I'm, I'm talking about the condemning of the self-life. The condemning of the self-life. Why? When I come into the relationship with Jesus Christ, it's Christ. It ain't me. Anybody here successful at walking with Jesus? Only one walked as Christ. That's Christ. You know what? Only one has come out of the tomb. And it says, I have been baptized into his death to be raised to walk in the newness of life to the glory of God. Who's walking? You ain't. Christ is. When Paul uses the phrase here, the body is as Christ, ask yourself a question. How unified is Christ? Okay, now then look around and ask yourself this. Do you feel a part of that? Because if you don't, then ask yourself this question. Is it your fault or Christ's fault? And that's what we're dealing with here. The gifts differ. 
Um, most, some of you guys know uh, Wayne Barber. Wayne Barber's giftedness is the same as mine. All right? And yet, they're different. They're different. He is a preacher. He is an exhorter. That's what I am. I'm a preacher and an exhorter, but he's different. The problem is he's a lot bigger than I am. But the, 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 the truth of the matter is he does the same thing I do. The same thing. But people will say, but he's, he's a little different. Yeah, he is. He is. His gifting, though the same as mine, are different. All right? But there is a common life focus. There is a common life source And that is stated there at the end of verse 12 where it says, so also is Christ. Okay? The life in the church is not you and I. The life in the church is Jesus Christ. Now, I want to take you back a few years. Okay? To 1 Corinthians chapter 1. (laughs) All right? And I want to show you something here because I don't want you to be unaware of what we're dealing with. Remember, he started out 12 saying, you know what? I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. All right. Then in verse 10 of chapter one, he says, I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you who is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Verse 13, has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? All right, so you see what he's saying here? You guys got a problem. Look at verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Verse 18, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. All right? I met a guy this week, and I'll just tell you what. I'm going to have to go on blood pressure medicine. This guy comes into town. He's the newest church planner. He's come in and he's, uh, he came in and he says, you know what? We're going to reach families. We're, we're going to reach a demographic of families. And I, okay, I'm happy for you. And, and he says, but we, we have a different way of viewing it. I said, well, all right. And so I, I don't have to ask him to share it because they will. Um, well, they will. And he said, now, we're going to get small groups in the family, and we'll have these studies going all over. We're going to get as many families as we can. He says, it's going to be wonderful. So that's, that's outstanding. He says, but, and I said, oh, here it comes. All right. If the people want to get together and study like a book, like Amos or Matthew or something like that, we're not going to support that or back that. If, if they want to study on how to raise your kids or how to have a fruitful marriage, we're going to support that. What? 
you know, by then I was tired. I had to go into Denver, and it was snowing. It was this Thursday morning, and I was, I was like, see you, dude. Have fun. I'm out of here. Okay, I'm going to take my big truck and try to squash cars because I'm tired of hearing foolishness. Okay, you know what you just did? You just divided the church. You know what you're doing? You're saying, what does your flesh want so I can give it to you? That's what it is. You know what? I want to condemn your flesh. I do. That's what Christ did. I'm going to condemn the flesh. So if you come in and say, well, I would like to do this, I'm going to say, quit being so stinking selfish. I know how to build a church. I haven't got anybody to publish my book yet. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? I don't understand this. I read this text here and it says Christ is one as a human body is one. And he says, you guys running around saying, I am of Paul, I am of Cephas, I am of, you know, your personality cults. You are following your flesh. And he says, condemn it. Get rid of it. If you look at the church today, is the church connected or disconnected? Disconnected. I mean, you can even stay in the same denomination and be disconnected. And it used to be that if you were in this denomination, that means you had this like-mindedness and you all went along. I listen to the church today, I listen to the denomination today, and they're buying anything that comes down the pike. Absolutely anything that comes down the pike. And I'm going to mention this, it's going to go on the web and that's fine. All right, there's a great Southern Baptist church that you guys all know. The pastor's name is Rick Warren. Okay? Now, we're Southern Baptists, and he writes a book called 40 Days of Purpose. All right? Or 40-something, I don't know. It's 40 Days of Purpose. All right? Now, I read the opening page of it, and it says, first thing first, you need to understand it's not about you, it's about God. And I said, amen, brother. So you don't even have to write the rest of this book. You can say, now read your Bible. But that ain't what he says. He takes off from there on and continues to teach you what you need to do and what you're going to get. But I thought it was about God. You started off wrong, right, and then you just stopped. Okay? Now, the Southern Baptist says, it's a miracle. We're all going to do this now. Well, how, how effective is it? Is the United States turned? Does it, you see repentance? Does the country look all of a sudden godly? Well, it's the number one bestseller for like 450 years. What happened? What happened? Okay. Listen, my Bible says that in Him we have life abundantly. Okay. We are in Christ. Only Christ, the world is going to see, is where? In us. Not in somebody's book or some guy's schemes. I ain't saying this to offend people. I'm saying this that what happened? What happened to the church? I don't understand this anymore. We don't want the Bible. Amos said that there's a famine in the land and the people don't even know it. And they don't know it. See, 
do you understand if there, if, if you take the Paul's illustration here of the human body, there's one personality in that body, right? There's one life source in that body. Okay, now let's ask yourself a question. When you think about the church, he says the church is just like the body, right? So there must be one personality in that body and there must be one life source in that body. That's the end of verse 12. So also is Christ. The personality of the church is Christ. The life source of the church is Christ. You know, I think about this. We are literally the flesh and bones to manifest the living Christ. That's why we're still here. Did you know that? Listen, I can do everything better in heaven except reach the lost. I can worship better in heaven. I can know better in heaven. I don't even have to preach in heaven. All right? And, and yet I look at the church today and I hear this across the boards of the pastorates here in Castle Rock. Who's winning people to Christ? And they all sit there and you hear crickets. Nobody's getting saved. Why? Why isn't anybody getting saved? Because we don't show them anything that they don't already have. I have that. I have a three-car garage or two-car, 12-car or whatever in a house and 14 bedrooms and three baths on each floor and weird stuff like that and a job and a 401K and stock market and I'm doing fine. Now then, I, I want to start focusing down on here because the unity is the one body. That's 12. Verse 13 is the identity is the one spirit. Right? And we started this last week. We see that in the verse 13, you have the formation of the body. And we looked at that in depth last week. And, now, and, and then there, I want to kind of touch on that again because uh, there is some confusion here. And everybody keeps saying, well, Terry's gotten off on the word of and on the word with. I, I don't understand that. Let me explain something to you right now. That right now may be the most critical thing lacking in the body of Christ is the difference between were you baptized with the Holy Spirit or did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I shared with you last week in 66 books of the Bible, you cannot find baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a non-existent entity. Okay, and yet in the church today, we believe that you get saved and you kind of hang. And then at some different appointed time, all of a sudden you get the second work of the Holy Spirit and, and wow, you become a missionary or you may start speaking in tongues or you may, I don't know, just all of a sudden be an evangelist or you may just, okay, listen, last week, emphatically, Jesus is the baptizer. The Holy Spirit is the agency in which you are baptized. It's like John baptized, was the baptizer and the agency was the water. All right? That's the same phrasing that we're using. Now then, I want to show you this. Verse 13, by one spirit. What does it say next? Only the gifted Christians used it as missionaries or can speak in tongues or the specially anointed ones are baptized into one body? What does it say? All are baptized. All right? Paul's point is that the unity and the diversity, who has it? All 
Christians have it. If you take away the baptizing by Christ as the baptizer with the agency of the Holy Spirit, you destroy the unity, the doctrine of the unity of the body of Christ. It's obliterated. I got saved by Christ and I'm hanging out so I can be part of the body when the Holy Spirit baptizes me? I see Christians living their life that way. I can't be used unless I what? You can't be a Christian or you can be a Christian, but you're not a part of Christ. You know what? I got a big note here on my notes. That makes no sense. You didn't know I was so profound, did you? (laughs) God, Terry, buddy, he got her down, ain't he? Okay, listen. When it says we were all baptized, what the heck does that mean? We were all baptized. If you're saved today, you were baptized by the Lord Jesus Christ through the agency of the Holy Spirit and you were placed into the body of Christ. Well, I'm looking for a church. What? I'm just trying... Get saved. Get saved. Okay, what does it mean here? All right, verse 13. Let Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. This is what I call a dry baptism. Okay, there ain't no water going on here. Okay, it's like Romans 6. You were baptized into Christ's burial. Okay, that's a dry baptism. Okay, when you were baptized in water, some say that's when the baptism, that's when you were imparted with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I see people, mainline evangelicals who believe in this. Okay, I know churches right now, mainline evangelicals, until you get into the tank, you can't be a part of this church. Well, I was baptized in another church. Well, you're not a part of this one. Paul says, we were all baptized. Okay, this is a dry baptism. Listen, I know that ain't right because I know millions have been baptized in water and haven't got a clue what's going on. I know people who've been baptized in water multiple times and are still clueless. Okay, I I don't even want to go down that road. Okay, listen, this this is a group of people who don't look to Christ. They live like they're lost. The changing power of Christ is a non-existent entity. Why do we give birth to quote-unquote counseling? What about power of the cross? What about the power of Christ? Do you understand these things? Now listen, you know, people say, well, Terry doesn't believe in counseling. What do you think I'm doing right now? When I teach a Bible study, what do you think I'm doing? It's the same thing. I'm giving you counsel. I'm giving you from the comforter because you you know I'm not. All right. Listen, do you understand the indwelling presence of the Spirit? I I look at this text right here and in the New Testament understanding, I call it a spiritual immersion. Okay. 
Every believer has been taken by the same spirit and immersed into the same unity with Christ that constitutes his body. All right? I read verse 13. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Okay? Then he gives you this little phrase. Whether Jew or Greek, slave or free. All right? You know what he's basically saying? All of you. All right? Now listen. I wrote a little note. Is that very clear? That seems extraordinarily clear to me, in spite of me. And it doesn't... I, well, let's see what... If you parse that verb... No, I, it seems really straightforward. There's no water here. It's a spiritual reality. It brings the believer into that vital union with Christ. To immerse as with water. That's the phrasing that Paul is using here. So somebody would, uh, would or will be immersed into the body of Christ. That would put that person in a whole new environment. Right? I mean, if you think about water baptism, uh, you're in the air. You're underwater. Different environment. Right? So if I have been baptized by Christ with the agency of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, I was in the air, in Christ. Okay? Remember, um, I used Matthew 3 last week. Um, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance. It was to immerse the repentant heart. Okay? Um, 1 Corinthians 10, we've already looked at this. We were, they were baptized into Moses. Okay, what does that mean? Well, they left Pharaoh and the old land and they became immersed and identified with a new leader in a new land, right? If I have been baptized into the body of Christ by Christ himself in the agency of the Holy Spirit, then I have been immersed into a new leader and a new land. I'm in a new environment. Baptizing with the Holy Spirit is Christ placing you and I by means of the Holy Spirit into the unity of the body and giving us a common life principle. That don't seem that hard to me. I don't see that difficult. We are all one. We are common in our existence. Um, why some say and some believe you have to have some kind of experience a little later on seems silly. Okay, now then I, I want to deal with this because, you know, people are saying, well, Terry's hanging up on the word with and of and what the heck is. The... Let me explain something to you. At your salvation. Jesus Christ, because of faith, Jesus Christ. With the person of the Holy Spirit. Has immersed you into his body. If it's any other way, you begin tampering with the doctrine of salvation. If you look at the body of Christ today, 
I see the corruption all over the place. All over the place. Why would people pursue all of these man-written books versus the scriptures? Okay, why would the church pursue all the philosophies of man if they truly understood this? Salvation doesn't... What I see the church doing, and I don't listen, I'm not talking about the doodahs. I'm talking mainline evangelicals today. They're saying that salvation doesn't really give you everything. Jesus said, it is really close to being finished. No. He said, it is finished. And it is so finished that I'm going to ascend to the right hand of the Father and I'm going to send the Comforter and the Counselor to you and therefore you will be what? Lacking nothing. And lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. So what happened? See the difference? I don't like to hear that salvation doesn't give me everything. Spirit baptism unites me with Jesus Christ. All that he is and all that is his is mine at the moment of my salvation. It's already there. You know, I, 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 in my Sunday school class, I told everybody, I said, you ain't going to get any holier than what you already are. What? You ain't getting holier. Now, you may act, but... The reality is, you are as holy now as you're ever going to get. Listen, I'm going to prove this to you. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 7. Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 37. Um, I've, this, I've heard this thing, talk about somebody, a text that's been butchered. But anyway, they are coming out of the Feast of the Tabernacles. Okay, the Feast of the Tabernacles... Uh, was when God provided water at Mirabah, okay? And, and uh, th- that's what the Jews celebrated. Uh, it's, a, it's a festival of about seven days. Uh, and, and at the conclusion of the festival, uh, the priest will walk around quoting Isaiah, draw out of the well of salvation, and he'll take a picture of water and pour it out saying, see, God provided, all right? And, and I've, that's what is going on. That's the context of what Jesus begins here in verse 37. It says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now stop right there. All right? What the heck is he saying here? It's really simple if you keep it in its context. All right? Any man who thirsts, come and drink. All right? That's a person who sees and knows they have a need. Okay? Listen, when you get thirsty, no one has to explain to you you're thirsty. Okay? You, I'm thirsty. All right? So this is Jesus saying, if you know you have this need, what? Come and drink. 
I know I have a need, so I need to go to the source and take what he has. What that is, is an invitation to salvation. Do I know I need to be saved? That's what he's basically saying. If you know you need to be saved, then come and take your salvation. What then? All right, I have a need. What then? All right. If anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink of me. Verse 38, he who believes in me. Okay? Cool. As the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. All right? Verse 39 explains it. But he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Am I blind? Does that seem really straightforward? Right? I had a need. Jesus offered me salvation. I believed. And then I hang around and wait for the Spirit. That's not what he says. Who receives the Holy Spirit? Someone who believes. How much of the Holy Spirit? All of it. To the point that out of his being flows rivers of living water. Okay, now let me ask you a question. What's lacking here? Nothing is lacking here. Well, but you don't understand. I just have a trickle. Okay, listen, the flow is determined by obedience and submission. Jesus ain't going to let you go out and ruin what he's doing. By obedience and submission, you come and drink. And obedience and submission, you'll have rivers of living water. That's saving faith, people. All the fullness of the Spirit of God flowing through the earthen vessel. It's all there. You're not lacking anything. All right? In Acts 11, uh, they like to throw around. Some like to throw around. Verses 15 and 16. I I began to speak and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. This is Peter's testimony. Fell upon them as he did upon us in the beginning. Okay, did upon us. Now he's given testimony that guess what? Them crazy old Gentiles are getting saved. Okay, I preached and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. All right. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with what? With the Holy Spirit. You will not be baptized of the Holy Spirit. Listen, please understand this. This is not an experience. It is a fact that occurs at the moment of salvation. If you have not the Spirit, you're not his Romans 8 when you believe God by his spirit places you into his son Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 says by this you are sons of God how do I get to be a son of God you believe by faith in Christ Jesus and I am baptized into Christ and you know I see four definitions in scripture of a Christian Okay? And they're all synonymous. 
Okay, one, a son of God. A son of God. A second one is someone who puts their faith in Christ Jesus. It's a son of God. Someone who is baptized into Christ, what we're looking at. Guess what? It's a son of God. I've heard it even put this way in Colossians. Someone who has put on Christ. So what is a Christian? It is someone who has put on Christ by faith in Jesus Christ, baptized into Christ, and is now a son of God. You know what they call that? A package deal. It's all there. You're not waiting. You're either in or you're out. As many has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, are sons of God, all by faith and a saving faith. Listen, <coughs> there are many people who are out there right now who believe that they are saved who are not. Okay? You can look at their life pretty quick and say they ain't saved. All right? And those who are saved, you can see them because they are clothed in Christ. You can see that they put their energy, resources where? As heirs of the Most High God, their faith is the thing that is seen. Every I've never met a human being in 50 years of life who doesn't have faith. What do they put their faith in is usually evident pretty quick. As many has been baptized, these are the sons of Christ. Not a water baptism. This is a dry baptism. This is overwhelmed, immersed into the spiritual realm. That's why there is nowhere in Scripture, hear me well, there is nowhere in Scripture to be a, a command to be baptized by the Spirit. It's not in there. There is no exhortation in Scripture to receive the Holy Spirit. It is not in the Bible. Why? Because you already have him. I don't have to go get him. It's the whole point of the unity of Christ. You don't go make the unity. You are already unified. You remove that doctrine and you destroy part of the doctrine of salvation. And I ain't standing there. Okay? 12.12 says, have been. You know what that means, right? Past tense. I ain't waiting to be. I have been baptized into the body as Christ. Colossians 2.10, it's not experience. It's a fact. It's a union that identifies with the body and the life of Jesus Christ. It's already there. You don't go look for it. You can't add to it. Well, what about the book of Acts? You know, chapter 1, the people believe that uh, they have to wait on the Holy Spirit. Remember, he told them to go to the upper room and wait till the Spirit comes upon you. Okay? Well, that really isn't that complicated. Okay? Um, the age of the church had not yet come. And they waited for the Spirit for the first time. Uh, if you remember uh, Simeon and Anna at the birth of Christ, they had a longing and they were waiting for Messiah, right? Now, some will try to tell you that Pentecost keeps going on, okay? Well, that's silly. That's like saying the birth of Jesus Christ keeps happening every two weeks. We waited for Messiah. He showed up, okay? We waited for the Holy Spirit and... He showed up. 
Okay, are we still waiting on him? No, I'm thinking that if he showed up, he's probably still here. Well, what about in chapter 8? You know, Philip had gone into Samaria and had preached to the Samaritans and, and they believed and they had to wait for Peter and John to come down from Jerusalem and so they could see the Holy Spirit come on. Yeah, the apostles were struggling with the fact that Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. Okay? You what you know what that implies, right? Not only Gentiles were going to get saved, but Samaritans were going to get saved. And the apostles had to have this proved to them. They had to have it. I mean, Peter struggled with it. All right, remember he had the little vision with the sheets came out and said, it's all good, give thanks and eat. And then now I want you to go over to Cornelius' house. But he's a Gentile. But he didn't ask you about that. <laughs> and remember, and Paul rebuked him because he was hanging out with the Gentiles, being one with the buddies. And then some Jews from Jerusalem showed up and he quit associating with the Gentiles because they had some Gentiles. And Peter said, or Paul said, I rebuked him to his face. You can't do that. Why? See, we bought it, people. I see it all over the place. We have Messianic Jews. We have this kind of person. We got this kind of person. We got this person. Yeah, that drives me nuts. Paul said, you got Jews, Gentiles, and the church. I look at it this way. You have the saints and the ain'ts. You're either saved or you're not. And basically what he's saying here is that the unity is so powerful, so massive, that everything has been destroyed. That's what the second uh, chapter of um, Ephesians is. Paul's freaked out about it. He says it's been torn apart. Jew and Gentile the same. They're in Christ. I've never seen anything like it. That's why he was amazed. They were, the, Jew, the Christians were being persecuted in Jerusalem. The bulk of them would have been Jews. And guess who was given the most to help them? The Gentiles. And they couldn't figure that out. So that's why you had it in, in chapter 8. The Samaritans had... Why, why would they wait? The Samaritans were worse than the Gentiles to a Jew. They had to see. Chapter 10... They had to know, he describes it there in chapter 10, that the church was one. Well, what about in Acts 19? Remember Paul showed up in Ephesus and he had them disciples of John were there. And he said, you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know what the response was? I don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. They weren't saved. They were disciples of John. They had prepared their hearts for repentance, but they weren't saved. And will you receive the Holy Spirit? It came down and it came upon them. And they got saved. The text that they try to use to argue this is silly. Jew, Greek, your social position, you're still one church. It doesn't matter what your religious background is. I don't care if you came out of Mormonism. I don't care if you came out of Satanism. I don't care. I came out of humanism. All right? I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor doesn't matter where you're an employer or an employee. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. You're baptized into the body of Christ. You know what? And you know, we, we look around and, and the older people say, I don't want to be like them young people. And the young people say, I don't want to be like them old people. You don't even get an option in that. You've been baptized into Christ. You are as unified as Christ is with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, but what about them people who rub you the wrong way? I don't care. 
You've been baptized into Christ. You are one. Do you understand that this is a universal gift that is given to all Christians, one body? But we don't look at it as a gift. Too many today look at it as a pain. Let me tell you something. I have run into a whole bunch of Christians who are a pain. But it still doesn't negate the fact that we are one. We have one personality and one life source, period. Salvation gives all Christians everything. And if you, if you start saying that there's a second work out there, you're tampering with the doctrine of salvation. Listen, some great theologians and some great men of God have messed with this. People like John Wesley, R.A. Torrey. Okay, R.A. Torrey and John Wesley said the same thing. That you got saved and then there's a second work that happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Both of those men died believing that they never received a second work. John Wesley is only the father of the Methodist church. What more work you want, John? R.A. Torrey reached a guy named Frederick Olford. Frederick Olford had a son named Stephen Olford, and he was Billy Graham's mentor. And R.A. Torrey doesn't believe that he ever got the second work? What do you do with the text? What do you do with 1 Corinthians 12, 13? You were all baptized into one body. When? At the moment of your salvation. I understand the conflict that is there, but people are trying to use experience to validate truth. You can't do it. I've seen people who got saved and then they just walked away. How do you know they were saved? Read Hebrews 6. They tasted of the Holy Spirit. They have seen the heavens revealed. And then they walk away and he says there no longer remains a sacrifice for those people. What does that mean? God's done everything that He can and they walked away from it. Well, that, no, they weren't saved. Jesus said the church will have wheat and tare. And you know what? You'll know them by their fruit or lack of fruit. I mean, the worst Christian in the world is going to grow a berry. I mean, it may be a raisin, but it's still going to be a berry. I, 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 I am passionate about this. And here's why. You and I cannot unify the church. It's already unified. It's already happened. I've already been immersed into the body of Christ. Salvation gives me everything. All that Christ is, all that Christ has, is to every Christian immediately. Then how do I get the rivers of flowing water thing going down? Walk yielded to what is the word of God gives. Every individual is energized in the life of Christ. Those who are not connected, those who have no unity, have no spirit. They're not His. It's that simple. Okay? The unity 
one body. The identity, one spirit. The baptizer, the Lord Jesus Christ. One time for all who would believe. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the amazing things you do. And Lord, I thank you that you have immersed us into your body. Father, I I can't even grasp that in its totalness. And yet, Father, it is no longer we who live, but it is you who live in us. Father, with the lives we live, we live as crucified as you were. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us to see this. Help us to respond to those that will cross our paths in love and the compassion that you showed us. But, Father, let us not bow down to, quote-unquote, some ecstatic experience. Let us bow down to what your word says. Let us rest full weight upon this divine truth that every child of God has been baptized into one body. Therefore, we are united. And that, Father, it is by one spirit, and that is our identity. Thank you, King, for what you have already done. In your name, amen.